0: Welcome to Post-Apocalyptic. Uh, once again, uh, John is still out of town, so Jason's back. Hey. So, this week I, I forced Jason to watch Orson Welles' last film, The Other Side of the Wind.
1: Yeah, I don't know uh, what took me so long to watch it, but it's been eight months, I think, since about... Released. I believe since it's released, it was yeah. like November of 2018.
0: Correct. Well, let's just go with your first thoughts.
1: Well, I think I was kind of afraid of it initially because um, I had seen uh, back, I guess... And I can't remember how this guy was attached to it, but it was like another editor was working on It's All True, mm-hmm. which was sort of the last one that was like this, where they were finishing the film. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing kind of a... It was like an almost finished version of it. And I think we were like in the same building or something. Okay. And I remember watching that one and just like thinking, it was like, oh, how cool this is. It's going to be, a, you know, it's an unseen, unfinished, right. you know, Orson Welles film. And I don't know, I thought it was just okay. Right. And so... I wasn't that hyped to see this, and I guess what took me so long, and um, I'm so glad I saw it because, yeah. I mean, it's really, really pretty amazing to watch. Yeah. Somewhere, you know, somewhere between, like, pretentious and a masterpiece lies this film. And that was the thing. Uh, John and I saw it in the
0: theater, and then that night, I watched it again because it was on Netflix. Seeing it in the theater was something I wanted to do because it was Orson Welles, and somehow it felt like you kind of had to. Yeah, um, I agree. Although I will say seen at home played exactly the same as seen it on the big screen mm. because the way the movie feels on itself. When we left the theater, I was like, I don't know if this is the best thing I've seen or it's just the most interesting movie I've seen in a long time. Because right. it is it's weird how well it plays today. Like it is the idea of, you know, exposing yourself to like social media. It was like his finger was on the tip of social media and 24 hour news cycle in 1974 like you realize it, you know how long it took him to make this film in the 70s there was nothing like this and we weren't on a 24 hour news cycle we didn't have social media I mean we had you know like the people magazines and some you know entertainment news but not what it is now and just to see this idea of inviting all these people over you know news reporters and film crews to something that you normally wouldn't have done
1: yeah no I mean it goes back even further than that I think it started like the, the seed of the idea was like 1970 or something right and, you know, he foresaw that coming, I guess, Man. and was able to stick it in this movie. There's just so much to dig in this movie. One, you
0: walk out to and you're like, oh, that Houston guy's a good guy. <laughs> I mean, a good actor. I mean, he's an amazing <laughs> actor, but he is just chewing scenery with everything he does.
1: No, I mean, he's definitely the, the, the center point of the film. And it's just his performance is pretty incredible. Yeah.
0: I mean, I you mean just, there's nobody
1: like that that could do that today.
0: And I think <laughs> that's what it is. And it's not even so much like oh actors today but it was such a meaty role and he just so you never thought about anything else he was he was that character you right. know he was
1: just chewing it up and drinking and so and you're just like this is amazing and, yeah he's like the bigger than life megalomaniac i won't say dictator but you know director you know i guess he's kind of like a um sort of a mirror image of ernest hemingway uh-huh. there's a little bit of that in this yeah. i mean because it takes place on the uh, the day that Ernest Hemingway committed suicide right I think is the idea and they have that there's like that one shot of like the the Marlin uh, in the you know at the ranch and he's kind of there in front of it and he's kind of like looking at it I think it's just before he gets the rifle which is also a, like a very Hemingway yeah you know kind of thing but yeah super cool um, you know I could see how some people would think that it is pretentious and right. maybe to a certain extent yeah there is a little bit of that in it yeah. but for me I guess it's sort of his kind of fuck you to Hollywood, really, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, he could have done anything, but he decided to do this. And I guess too it was maybe just for practical reasons, he was able. This is something he could kind of do on a budget. I mean, he was bankrolling it himself, of course. You know, because I think if you, you know, was trying to do like the next big thing, he would have done Star Wars, right? Because right. I mean, that would have been yeah, that that was the next thing, right? Um, you know, or Jaws, I guess. Um, but he chose to do this, and you know, when watching the film, I kind of thought, what, if this film had been finished back then, mm-hmm. would you, would we it through like different, you know, different glasses, like kind of now it's sort of like a, the rose colored glasses, right? Because it's sort mm-hmm. of nostalgic. But if it had been released, would it kind of, would just like, oh, well, what the hell's this pretentious bullshit? And, you know, you kind of treat it like maybe, I don't know, you like eyes wide shut. Yeah. But it's definitely not Kubrick's best film. And this isn't either. You know, I don't know. How do you feel about that?
0: I definitely think if it was released then, I don't think anyone would have not that anyone would have liked it. There would have been some people that would have it would all have been about uh Houston's performance. Mm-hmm, it's right. like that would have been the the glowing review out of anything was his performance. I think later on, like with anything else, it would have gained that popularity mostly probably in film schools. And it would have been the film geeks later on going, Oh my god, he had his finger on the pulse because yes. you watch it now with like you said with the rose tinted glasses, it's just going, Oh my god, he had his finger on the pulse but it's also new to us. Right. You know, you're not watching it in like a retrospect, going, Oh, I think I saw that on TV at one point and you're rewatching it now going, oh my God, he did it. But it being released sort of made it feel like, oh my God, they made a contemporary movie. <laughs> and you're like, oh no, he didn't. He was doing this in the 70s for five years. Right. I liked even his movie within the movie would have been the best version of a 70s movie too. Like that, <laughs> how great that looked even though it was just, like, him trying to, like, as the older director trying to make a current movie. Yes. Is that version of that movie would have been really good. Like, Orson Welles, if that's what, say, he chose to make that movie, that's like, well, fine, I'm going to make a movie, like, for the kids. It would have been a great-looking movie.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's even a line um, that the Max character says, something to the effect of, you know, what does the old man know about what kids want? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the crux of the movie is... You know, even though Orson Welles said, oh, that's not, you know, that's not me. Right. Um, You know. It's you. (laughs) I'm not John (laughs) Huston. It is him. And it's him trying to not make a comeback, per se, but just say, hey, I'm still here. Yeah. And and in a way, you know, uh, trying to be relevant. Yeah. And even with the documentary, which I don't think they cover, the documentary
0: is great. You have to see the movie, then watch the documentary. Yes. You don't. Have to, but it opens up the movie to a different level where you'll probably rewatch the movie after watching the documentary, knowing everything you know. Because it, once again, it was a grind. It was five years of filming, switching actors, and just trying to get it financed. Because, which is mind boggling to me, is like that people wouldn't give Orson Welles money. But I know he was a dick and hard to work with. He had one real good movie, and that's what basically he based his career on. His acting stuff was always really good, but he didn't have like hit after hit after hit, where it's like... Like, now it's like, who's not going to give Spielberg money, you know? Right, even and to this day. To this day, like, his him getting older, and it's like, you know what, I'll make this weird film. Well, it's Spielberg. Here's money. Even as Orson Welles was making this, people still considered Citizen Kane the greatest movie of yes. all time. But yet it's like, I'd like to get some financing. No, but I did that, that movie. <laughs> and it's just like, no. So the idea that you don't give money to him... And also, too, when this movie... Thank God for Netflix, though, because they tried to do a Kickstarter and then mm. like an Indiegogo and they couldn't even raise the $2 million to get it finished. And it was like, this is an Orson Welles film. right? How come no one wants to not... It's not like they had... We found a box of film. We're going to shoot the rest and finish it. And it's like, well, then it's not really an Orson Welles film. This right. was all shot. Most of it edited by him and his notes. So this was... Yeah, they had assemblies. Yeah, so this was already. as complete as an... Or- this isn't even like... A last performance movie by someone maybe who died during production. We're like, well, we kind of pieced together their last performance. Right. You know. You know. It's not like um. AI, right? (laughs) Yeah, like that, or even like um, uh, like Heath Ledger's last performance was The Dark Knight. They were already done. They had already done all the reshoots and pickups. So that was one hundred percent. So it wasn't like they were trying to
1: fake a reshoot. No, it was was, was not Ed Wood doing you know Plan Nine with you know Bella Lugosi. Right. You know, with the you know faking it with the guy with the you know. Putting the mask over him or whatever right
0: so this was like a literally completed last film of his and i wouldn't say it's like his best work but he was still very innovative for that time like he was making but he no one i think would have understood it in the 70s right about and because there weren't really a lot of movies about hollywood and if they were they were like campy romps this was sort of like a serious take on the older generation in the newer generation of hollywood Right,
1: trying to cope with the, you know, the new wave of artists like, you know, Scorsese and Michael Antonioni and, you know, to a lesser extent, uh, I mean, he was this really before Spielberg and Lucas were really on the front page or, you know, Coppola, all those guys basically taking over, you know, Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's really just all about him trying to, you know, remain relevant and, you know, keep it, like I said before, it's just a, hey, I'm still here. I'm still making movies. No. Fuck you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and too like I was going to say is like they don't touch on it, but I just wonder if maybe he, there was someone at a studio that liked him and it was they were pitching him those style of movies that he sort of made the movie within the movie. No, no, here's this hit piece. Right. You know, and he's reading the script. So this is, I don't want to do this. Right. He, he's like,
1: not five easy pieces or yeah. easy writer. That's not Orson Welles. You know? Right. And that's what was hip and cool at the time. And
0: so they were probably like, well, what about this? We'll, we'll get you on these boards. Like, no, these are all, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be, I don't want to make what everyone else is making. Mm-hmm. I'll do it in a way to say, fuck you. Cause these movies are terrible, you know? <laughs> and, but you look at it now and that seems like a, almost a pretentious film student piece he was making right look I studied these this is what I my idea of these movies are but I did like when uh, in the beginning when that they were trying to get that investor and he's watching it and the guy in the back's just eating the candy no 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 we're, we're gonna do a pickup shot there and honestly I think these scenes are just cut together <laughs> you
1: know, <I> <laughs> This is basically dailies with the slates cut off I think is what the is, is what they right. say. yeah well that guy's supposed to be Bob Evans oh okay He was the head of Paramount at the time oh okay so every You know, according to the documentary, basically, and I mean, you can kind of see it. Everybody in the movie Mm -hmm. is sort of a parody of current Hollywood, or at least is how, you know, is how Orson Welles saw it. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, the whole thing is, I mean, really, it's a satire of Hollywood. You know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, he he sort of did it to a certain extent, right, where he was making his own movies. Mm -hmm. And then he'd go off and then do some Hollywood picture. Right. You know, as like an actor and then getting paid to do that and then taking that money and going to do you know, and then putting into his own, you know, movies. Um, you know, I mean, Johnny Depp, not Johnny Depp. It um, uh, who's the Edward Scissorhand? Uh Tim Burton. Tim Burton, yeah. I mean, he kind of did that to a certain extent, right? He makes the big Hollywood movies, but yeah. then he's like, oh, I'm going to do, you know, Ed Wood because right. I love it. And this is a little picture right. that I right. want to do. And it's like kind of imagine if Orson Welles, like, had directed some of these big budget movies. Like if, you know, Orson Welles had, like, directed Airport, right? I don't know. To me, it'd be kind of, like, awesome. Yeah. But he's doing, like, this big, you know, schlocky, you know, you know, we're blockbusters for the time, mm-hmm. and then taking that money, and then oh, I'm going to do my little like arty film, right? And you know, I guess he was, you know, I mean, too good for that. Well, yeah, it was his like, mind, especially. It's like,
0: look, we'll pay you a little above what we're going to pay this guy, but it's this disaster film, you know, and it's right. got some old Hollywood people you've worked with before, and it's like, no, <laughs> but I would have loved to seen that, right? And maybe that was it. It was just like he would rather have done a commercial or an actor or go to another country and film something as opposed to making something, like almost directing something he didn't believe in. Right. And it's not like I was going to say it's sort of in a weird way, uh, Spielberg doing Jurassic Park to do Schindler's List. Correct. But Jurassic... That's actually
1: a great example, and I should have brought that up. But I'm surprised you didn't. Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) But... In a different way, whereas Jurassic Park is in Spielberg's wheelhouse. Yes. Like, airport wouldn't have been in Orson Welles' wheelhouse. But that same idea of, like, great, I'll give you a Spielberg film, but I want to make this film. Right. Like, I'll give you what is me, which makes the money, and then I'll do this other thing, which still made the money and won the gold. <laughs> so, ultimately, uh, it, it worked out for him. But, yeah, it, is, it was weird that he was just an independent grinder. It's like, all right, I'll do this, put money in this do this to put money in this mm-hmm. it's just all about making his film like i just can't believe being shot over five years okay. other than uh spoilers if you unless you watch the um documentary rich little was in it which you see one scene and you're like i would have loved to seen this right with rich little because he's <laughs> actually the scenes you see are actually really good with rich little but Then swapped it out for Bogdanovich, who Rich Little was basically playing Bogdanovich anyways. Yeah, so I'll get the real guy.
1: (laughs) So it's like, why don't we just get the real
0: guy and we'll call him something else? You shoot a movie over five years and it still looks cohesive. I mean, they do reshoots now on like Marvel films. And all of a sudden you're like, that looks like a pickup. It's like the wig looks off or something. This was shot over five years and you wouldn't... I didn't notice anyone
1: either aging or looking that different. No, I mean, I think probably just because of the style of the film yeah. um, and shooting in all the different formats and it being so, you know, almost like borderline avant-garde, right? Yeah. Um, I think that probably helps, you know, take the edge off of some of that, you know, and, and, and so much stuff is happening and it's happening so quickly.
0: And what do you think about that? Because do you think that would have bumped people in the 70s? Because his editing style in a movie that's 40 years old, is more contemporary editing style. Yes. I watched it and didn't, you know, cause sometimes you watch an older film for fun and you're like, all right, we just sit on stuff because you get so used to cuts all the time, you know, like, oh, four seconds. Every four right, seconds. Or less even. And this was it felt so contemporary. Like there was just cut, 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 cut. Because I mean you are jumping formats and you're you're just cutting around dialogue and there's no long just dialogue scene with one camera. If there's a long dialogue scene, you're bouncing camera to
1: camera. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, to be honest, my first thought was what a nightmare it would have been to finish <laughs> this on film. Yeah. And to do or, you know, have to, you know, keep track of a million feet of film or whatever it was. Yeah. And then you've got all these different formats. And then, you know, ideally you're finishing on 35. Mm-hmm. And so you're blowing up all your 16, you know, any what actually had had the specs up here, uh, any eight millimeter, all this stuff. And just uh, the neck cut would just be (laughs) makes me want to like you know make my head explode. Yeah, I mean there were points where I was like, so wait, is this like the modern interpretation of of what the movie would have been, or was this you know this was based Mm. off of a work print? Yeah, and it really was this quick. It didn't say they didn't go you know they saw like his note for the scene like an an unfinished scene saying it's supposed to be frenetic, and so oh okay that means we're gonna do like the modern version of frenetic, and they bring in some you know, 35-year-old editor. Oh, I know what to do. Right, you know. right. Or, you know, bring the guy to cut, like, the grudge or something and, you know, <laughs> and then have. And he takes his pass at it. But, I mean, I believe this is how it was. Right. This is, was his, you know, his vision. Really, the process was just finishing the film. I mean, that's that's what it is, right? I mean, right. There's, I
0: think, one part in the documentary where they talk about that scene, the movie within the movie, of her walking into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the editor was saying... Orson just kept going, no, cut there, cut there, cut there. And it was just like, they kept going back to that scene because they couldn't figure out how to make that scene work. So mm. then Orson's just like, no, put another cut, cut to here, cut to here. Like you said on film, what? God damn it. You know, <laughs> Where's my trim? So the idea that he was actually pushing that pace, if there was one unfinished scene and it maybe said, Fennec, they could go back to what he had already done. Look, right. he was already at this pace. So like he was ahead of the time to try to, you know, make scenes work. And, and it could have just been out of the fact that he was shooting so much. He's trying to make some sense out of his own movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe that was it. He was watching, you know. And yeah, and that editor probably played that whole, her walking into the bathroom scene like a regular scene. Right. You know, she's walking in, maybe a couple cuts here and there. And then she's like, nah. And then it was, and that was probably his interpretation of what all the current movies felt like. You know, yes. he's watching a movie in 73 or 74 going, they're all so fast. You know, why are we jumping so much?
1: (laughs) We don't hang on anything, you know.
0: Now I want him to ironically watch a Transformers
1: film and just go, what the hell? (laughs) Wait a minute, this isn't a movie? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) I'm happy you finally saw it. I get your hesitation. I think that's why I was like, I might be building it up because when I saw the trailer, I was like, wow, I can't believe they did it. But in my head, I was like, I just need to go see it at the theater. I'll either be really disappointed or mildly amused, and yeah. then just jumping right on it. Because had I waited, I'd have been like, "Boy, no one's really talking about this film. It can't be, can't be that good." I feel bad. It's Orson Welles' last film. Then you watch it, and you're like, "I wish more people were talking about this film."
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's really it's kind of a cinephile movie. Oh, exactly. Like my wife would have no interest in watching this movie. Okay. at all. I don't think okay I mean I can I could try and you know let's see you know but I think it's it's just um you have to be of that mindset and Mm -hmm. have to have kind of seen a lot of those movies from the 60s and 70s I think to you know really appreciate this it does have that vibe
0: you know it does have a 70s vibe but feeling contemporary 70s
1: yes no very much so um one of the things I want to know was... Uh, I was just looking at uh, the, the specs on this. So they've got... There's three different aspect ratios that we see. It, and this, so this covers both, like, the documentary side of the film mm-hmm. and then the film within the film. Right. And so it's 185, 166, and then 137. But, like, in the Netflix version that I watched, mm-hmm. it's... You know, there's no, it's not true 185, it's just the 16 by 9 they took everything and kind of blew it up a little bit, Right. and I was wondering if in the theater, theatrical version that you saw, do you remember if it was 185, or...
0: It was hard because it bounced around so much. I mean, much. It's,
1: so, it's so close, I mean, the formats are, are so close, but you are losing like a little bit, you know, on I the side. I don't know, because when I did re-watch it, um, I did watch it on a big TV,
0: mm-hmm. so I don't know if it felt the same, hmm. and to... By it moving and going back and forth to formats, you never get your sense of what format you're ever supposed to be in anyways, unless right. you're going into the movie. When you're in the movie, you understand you're in that movie because it looks gorgeous. But then everything else is just like this chaotic mess, but in a good way. Like, yes. cause there's some of like, some 16 looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It is like the best 16 transfer of a movie that's been sitting in a vault. <laughs> yes. And then other is just grainy as shit. And you're just like, well, like, you know. You had multiple cameras. You know, I'm sure all those cameras are actually probably really rolling. Yeah. You know, and then just at the end of the day, here's your box
1: of footage. Oh. No, probably too. And I was thinking about that, you know, seeing, I mean, there must be, you know, there's <laughs> someone the on YouTube, go out there and uh, do a version where you, you, you uh, instead of a kill count, it's a <laughs> camera count. Yeah. Every time you see a new camera on screen, <laughs> you count it. And then, see, so, you know, probably what it was, it was like, hey. We're going to shoot this weekend, you yeah. know, call up your buddy with that, you know, 16 millimeter Bolex and have yeah. him come out. Yeah. And so that's how you different. And if he has any short ends, yeah. bring them. Yeah. And I think that's how probably a lot of it was done. Yeah. You're just, you know, shooting with this is what happens when you shoot with 50 different cameras. Yeah. And then um, and then all these different film stocks. Yeah. And totally done because of budgetary reasons would be my guess right yeah. otherwise he'd be like going down to airy and getting you know the latest panavision and that or- would be the thing you would
0: cherry pick certain people in the crowd to have a real working camera yes and that would be it everyone would have one to like fake it but you'd be like well i need this we will be able to shoot faster if you're here you're here and i'll be over here mm-hmm. and then we can do it honestly i think your scenario is probably exactly right is steve still have his camera Sweet, bring <laughs> Steve, you know, and he's got a box of film. He got a discount, student discount, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, in in sort of a way, it's like it's like the the grandmaster filmmaker, auteur, going back, I mean, not that Orson Welles was really ever a film student, but right. if he was, mm-hmm. that's how he'd make a movie. Yeah. It'd just turn out to be a swan song, you know? And how do you feel, like, for his legacy, which is,
0: I think it's so interesting, his legacy is weird because it's not like, like almost a Spielberg legacy. I don't want to keep going back to him, but it's like he has no, this. Because they're
1: both auteurs.
0: Yeah, because they're <laughs> like this body of work. But you look at Orson Welles, he does, he has a body of work, but it is sketchy at best. Right. But he's always, he was doing things that no one else was doing. Mm-hmm. And and you really see it in this last film. But you wanted him to make, like after seeing this, I was like, I wish there were five more films. I would have loved to see in like 1982 Orson, Orson Welles movie. Will's film, yeah. You know, just something else. After seeing this, it's like, It's a shame people didn't see what he was doing. And I get it. It's a risk. It's money. It always comes down to money. And it's like his film, it wouldn't have been viable. I don't think that movie, it wouldn't have been a blockbuster. It would have been, hey, Orson Welles film. And they would have just been comparing it to him, talking about John Houston, and maybe Peter Bogdanovich gets some praise because he was actually really good in it.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I think I said earlier, they would just be going back. Revisiting, you know, Citizen Kane and, yeah. you know, uh, The Third Man and, you know, Touch of Evil, you know, all these, you know, now iconic and, yeah. you know, great movies. And they would have just been like, well, it's another film. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, at the time, he was doing commercials. I forget. There's a couple commercials that you can watch yeah. on the Internet. You know, they're really funny to see. you like, 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 crap.
0: A, there's like a Frozen P1 and then there's a champagne one
1: where he's actually getting drunk yes. cuz he's drinking it and it's like
0: <laughs> this is amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean so that was the kind of stuff uh you know he was doing. I've got uh on a like a bootleg DVD somewhere of a uh, unaired pilot of the Orson Welles show. Oh right, they they talk about that in a book and in the in something else too. Yeah, it was kind of like a Dick Cavett kind of thing right. um and it was sort of like you had the audience was like kind of down surrounding him and he mm-hmm. was kind of up on this stage. And then he was just talking, and it was kind of, you know, it was a talk show. Okay. But I think he was trying to do anything to stay in, you know, in yeah. the limelight, because he had been gone for so long. I think documentary said he was gone basically out of America for, like, 20 years. Yeah. Um, he was making his Carnival film or something, and mm-hmm.
0: then an interesting side note, the DP, the main DP, Gary Garver, I think, on um, Other Side of the Wind, did Ron Howard's first film, which we couldn't think of the name of it the other day. Um, Oh, is that, um, not the yellow Rolls Royce shoot. I want to try to think of it without looking it up, but I, but it was one of those stories It was a crazy story where he like was in the military, made his own little films at home. Like everyone did in that time, moved to LA, somehow got Orson's number, called Orson up and just went, Hey, if you need me, want him to, well, meet me tomorrow. And that's how he got
1: the job. Literally called him up. Yeah. That's an incredible story that Orson Wells was that, you know, um, I don't want to say desperate because that's not the right word, yeah. but that you could just like get a hold of Orson and be like, "Hey, yeah. can I come and hang out?" <laughs> and you're yeah. like, "Sure." And then
0: it's like, "All right, bring your camera." And you're like, "Oh shit!" And then I think he was—I think the only reason I knew that because when I was reading about it, they talked about him working on the Orson Welles show, mm-hmm. and then he ended up directing his own film, which wasn't very good. I was—it was just kind of crazy. It was just like, "What a weird." But that was kind of old Hollywood, though. Mm-hmm. I got a hold of so and so's number. I gave him a call. He told me to come by. And
1: he's like, yeah. "What?" <laughs> Well, I think, you know, it goes back to sort of a film school mentality. It's like, well, here's a guy. Yeah. He's got access to equipment. I want to make this movie. Right. Let's just do it.
0: You're a DP, so what kind of – what's your what's your camera package? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got these 316
1: millimeter. Interesting.
0: I got a box of film. Come over tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I think
1: that – I'm sure that's all it was. You know, yeah. It was as simple as that. Hey, can it, is, it, is it in focus, you know? Yeah. Because um, I'm basically
0: going to tell him where to stand. I'm going to run him like a puppet. Yes. But I need someone to hold and turn on the camera.
1: You know, <laughs> that's one of the things too um, we haven't really touched on yet is the the documentary part of the film. You know, it feels very organic and it feels you know very much like oh, all these people record. Like if you um, if you had a scene, you know, basically today, you know, everyone would everyone come and it's your birthday party and mm-hmm. you're going to film. Everyone's got their cell phone and everyone's going to film. Yeah, and it would just be a bunch of like random shit. Yeah, but this while it feels like that every shot you know was conceived right right i mean there's no shot in that that was just people i mean if there is there's probably like 20 feet of film of that where just someone caught something magical yeah they like that a little better than his shot it's like well this one's the perfect because of where you're standing great we'll use that one right but all of them i I believe everything you know was placed because i mean that's it's so dark in there and like the the depth of field is so shallow yeah right in, in those in those party scenes that I think it has to be you know it has to be marked it has to be you had to know what you were doing to get that shot because it's not like you're unless the shot is you know doing like a rack focus or they're playing with focus yeah. right intentionally yeah there's no shot that like is kind of soft and you're kind of looking at it going like you know what the hell is this um, but that said he you know he captured that organic feel yeah and
0: nothing yeah. felt staged in a weird way like i don't know how i mean it's orson welles but like you said all those conversations that are happening just everything felt like you almost forget that these are actors Mm -hmm. in a scene and that was filmed over five years because it felt like wow i can't believe they did that in a night Mm -hmm. it has that feel where you are it almost makes you feel stupid because you're going well they filmed that in a night good for him right no that was over five years it's like (laughs) but look at it it doesn't never feels separate from itself like you always just felt like you're just having conversations.
1: Yeah, no, I mean you you're you're kind of a fly on the wall, I guess is sort of the you know, right. the feeling of it and you're here at this big Hollywood party, which by the way would have been like a big deal for someone yeah. to go. I mean now you're so inundated with all like the entertainment news feeds and right. blogs and oh what, you know, what's Brad doing this weekend. Yeah. Uh that's sort have of been of a time where for most people a Hollywood party it's something they're never gonna experience. Right. And probably not be within a thousand miles of. Well, yeah, and even and not even just like, okay, we're gonna do
0: this big seventieth, but maybe we'll have some people ask some questions in the beginning, but no one's allowed in the party. Mm-hmm. But to then just invite everyone from every magazine, anyone who had a camera or a recorder yes, come to a seventieth. So most of the people are just like, Okay, you know, just all these people going. And I loved in the car in the beginning when all the questions were just so film studenty. Yes. You know, and you're just like, "Oh my god." And even him, she's just just <laughs> yeah. driving
1: like is oh yeah, my- the camera, you know, a phallic symbol, yeah. you know. Yeah, that was really funny. Um, yeah, I loved uh, you know, obviously those were all choices um yeah, the cars doing all convertibles. Yeah, you know, just really kind of added to the chaos. I, I was actually really impressed with the sound quality. I know in there, it's like holy shit! It's like they're in an you know like on a ADR stage, but it's that's right. the real the real dialogue. I mean, just really
0: impressive um, that they were able. It's like, how are you recording? Yes, you know, and 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 I, I think um, Houston's kid did one or two ADR lines for him. Yes, but not much. But you would think it's like, oh, I bet you had to add a lot. No, especially stuff sitting in a vault. Right. That's insane how does something just magically disappear not disappear but it's just sitting in a french vault right all this time and then you come out and it's like all right let's do a transfer and it's fine mm-hmm. film is you know it's certain degree is pretty indestructible for a certain amount like if it is sitting in a cold storage it will be fine but it is just in its audio too though like there's so many ways so many things that could have been wrong when they started scanning yes oh we don't have any audio you know or they just find some work print mm-hmm. and it's like this is all we have okay you know, we can't really do anything with it. But if they had all the elements, they could then scan each element individually, then reassemble digitally.
1: Yeah, I don't. You know, uh, so that's one of the other things I was wondering too. Is like the sound design; it's just beautiful in this. Yeah. And I don't know how much of the sound design is, um, you know, where they took at liberty the. What the intent was, right? Um, and are using, you know, obviously Pro Tools and um, right. you know, in modern doing modern sound design and applying right. it to this movie. I don't know how much of that was developed, right? Because right. he never there was never a mix or anything. I don't right? think so. No, it's just here's the work print and a work yeah. track with some yeah. dialogue, and that's about it. Uh, but yeah, they did a beautiful job trying to bring this, you know his vision to life. And I think they, you know, and I think it helps too Bogdanovich still being
0: alive yes. and being around it the whole time and probably having conversations and sitting in and being a good friend. He was the perfect person with everyone else to go, no, this wouldn't have been his intent. Right. You know? I mean, you're still putting your, what you think his intent was, but his, in, that idea is better than an outside person. Orson Welles would have probably done this. I was like, no, not this time. This was his intent.
1: So. Yeah. You know, you, you wonder if, go back to Spielberg again with AI mm-hmm. um, now supposedly he was you know talking to Kubrick you know beforehand about mm-hmm. this but then when he died then well you can't talk to him about it anymore so right. all you have are the notes right and you wonder how much uh, better of a movie AI would have been had there been a Peter Bogdanovich person right that could have you know done a little more you know consulting or whatever yeah. you want to say no this was you know Stanley's intent or whatever yeah and I think that's so weird. It's weird
0: that when you know that about AI, and it's like, why isn't AI good? It's just not a good
1: film. It's
0: not good. Uh, well, I like it up to a point. I don't know, but that's, I guess it's a
1: podcast for another <laughs> another uh, another day. I, I
0: should I, I'll I should rewatch it. it. It's based on a I think a one and a half watch, and I was more curious. But I also feel like you know it was Spielberg making a Spielberg film. Yes. It never feels like a Kubrick film. No, no, it never does. That's for sure. And that not at one point we're like. That's very Kubrick. Yes. You know, this was a Spielberg film, you know, and, and that's fine because sometimes if you have, you know, even a famous writer, it's like, oh, I like his work and someone does it. It's like, well, the words are his, mm-hmm. but it's still very much a Spielberg film. But, yeah, we can save that for another time. But, yeah, so do you think if this movie came out in 70, let's just even liberally call it 78 okay, because it, how, how long it takes for him to finish a film, do you think that would have changed any filmmaking at that time do you think it would have pushed it there's nothing nothing revolutionary in the film other than an editing style the idea of the movie works better now because of the social media aspect that we live in but if you're watching it then the editing style is very different there was nothing else like that then The the just like the quickness of it but it still felt natural it was a quick natural as opposed to like a Transformers that's quick because it's just how they want you to feel
1: yeah I mean there were there were Quickly paced scenes, but I don't think—I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head where it's like the whole movie is this frenetic pace. Right. I mean, yeah, you had you know, to be like short scenes where you're, you know, you're maybe cutting, you know, twelve frames or something mm-hmm. like that. But nothing where it's like, oh, from the the, the first frame of the film pretty much yeah. till the end, you know, it carries a frenetic, you know, pace all the way through. Not like a Moulin Rouge sense, but right for you know movie for the time. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I think the die had been cast um, with, you know, the new blockbuster, you know, Jaws and Star Wars. Because that came, that's all at the same time. And uh, that's, that's what was, (laughs) that was going to be the next big thing. Well, and if, like, I mean, say
0: we even say... This would have been a footnote, I guess. Yeah, because, uh, let's say, because they filmed until 76, it would have been weird... It would have either been released before or after Star Wars, and Mm -hmm. either way, it would have felt probably like an old movie. Yes. And that's maybe would have been the downside. I just didn't know if it might have maybe affected a younger generation of filmmakers that might have been watching films going, oh, my God, Orson Welles, I like his style now. Mm -hmm. And maybe that changes a little of someone's mind, but I just didn't know if you felt like maybe this would have not changed everyone's film ideas it wasn't like star wars wouldn't have come out if this film came out like lucas sees it going never mind yeah (laughs) i know what i'm making now because the story itself is just an interesting story right but there isn't anything it isn't like star wars or jaws where it's like oh my god i've never seen anything like this before story of an aging man you know Mm -hmm. dealing with youth and time and all that so there were already those stories Mm -hmm. but i just didn't know I guess everyone just looked at Orson Welles so shittily at that time anyways. I don't know if anyone would have cared. I mean, I'm sure like the Spielbergs and Lucas at that time would have went,
1: I love Orson Welles. They would have liked it because they're film people. Right. Even Coppola would have it was like, oh my God, film. Yeah, I mean, it still would have been, you know, I mean, it never was going to be a blockbuster or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, you know, it would become, it become kind of a cult kind mm-hmm. of thing you know, probably like I say, it would just have been you know, other than John Houston's performance, yeah. Would have just kind of been a footnote of like, Oh yeah, the guy at Citizen Kane also did this movie. Yeah. You might want to check it out. Yeah. But I mean I mean that's what Citizen Kane did was I mean that turned all of filmmaking, you know, on its ear, right? Mm-hmm. At the time it was like the critics were panning it because it was like, oh, My God, what is this? It's a mess. Yeah. But really, here's the future of cinema. Right. I just didn't know it yet. It took yeah. ten years or whatever to get, you know, to get everybody else, you know, caught up to that level yeah I don't you know
0: yeah I think in in a way it's almost like he was smart that the movie came out now even though I mean he's passed for so long it was like one last gift from Orson Welles not just the final film but what the final film was now like today's day this film plays better today than it would have played then who who can work like that like how how is it's like almost make Orson Welles like haha fuck you I did it one last time and (laughs) it's like how? How did you do this? And fr- from beyond the grave, no less. Beyond the grave, it's like, fuck you, you know? And I think, I'm, I was kind of surprised they didn't even try to, like, put it up for anything for an Oscar. Because there was talk, because it was technically <clears throat> finished, mm-hmm. and it had never been released, that it could have, like, there could have been an Oscar for Houston. There could have been a directing. And that would have been, that would have been, had he won, like, one post-humor, it would have just been amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, what a, yeah, what a concept that would have been. Especially, too, for Netflix, you right. know? You know, so this is a whole thing, you know, that just passed, I don't know, what was that, three, four months ago with Spielberg saying, oh, you know, Netflix isn't eligible, shouldn't be eligible for Oscars, blah, 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 blah. This would have been, like, yeah. fantastic for that to be nominated, for and sure. And I think
0: Orson Welles, how he was, would have loved current time, because you know he would have released stuff on Amazon and Hulu and Netflix. Anything, Anyone who would have given him money, oh yeah, he would have just like, oh, it's a new medium? Great. Here's something I'm working on. I think he he would have been
1: all over it. Oh, yeah. I think he would have reveled in the concept of, you know, doing, um, you know, series, you know, even like a Game of Thrones kind of thing, right? I mean, that would have been his bread and butter.
0: It's like, we're going to give you – you can give us eight hours. Oh, my God. That's great because I shot 100 hours. It's like, (laughs) oh, great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, basically, he'd have like endless money, Mm. endless time, and then have, you know, and then have a format where you're not just stuck with a two-hour movie trying to fit all your ideas in. It's as long as you want. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure a company... I mean, they're doing it now, right? With Shonda Rhimes or, yeah. you know, J.J. J. Abrams or whoever.
0: Yeah, everyone is doing that now.
1: Yeah, they're getting their, you know, making their piece. And it's all it's all big and it's all epic. With that perspective, it's a pretty amazing... <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. amazing time. Yeah, And, it's and he just, would have loved it. <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, granted, he's, he would not have
0: been around now anyways. But it's a shame that he... I'm happy that this is his last film. But it's a shame, like you said, he didn't do an airport... He didn't like, fine, I'll do your stupid studio picture to get more money for my picture. Right. And it's a shame he didn't do like an 80s movie. Interesting to see him maybe even tackle like a John Hughes style comedy. Yes. It's like, hey, the teen movies are good. You're doing (laughs) Teen Wolf. What? You know. Orson Welles brings you The Maze Runner. (laughs) (laughs) I would have watched that. It's just a, it's a shame that, and once again, a lot of this is his own decision. So it's not like just... If you read any books about him or watch any of the documentaries, it wasn't like he's not at fault. He was very much at fault for his own career, you know? Yes. It's not like Hollywood was just punishing him because he was a genius. Hollywood was punishing him because he was a dick. (laughs) But look what you get out of that. right? I mean, and not saying that everyone, you should be a dick to get what you want. He had something to back it up. Look what he made. Right. You know, he was pushing things beyond what anyone else could push at that time.
1: No, I mean, he clearly had the, you know, he had the clout. You know, it's sort of amazing with what happened with uh, Magnificent Ambersons and how that he didn't have the power. Right. That the studio, you know, took it away. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's almost unheard of now. Right. Um, I mean, it would have had been something catastrophic to be taken off or fired from something now.
0: Unless it's just, you know, it happens. But literally to come from, you know, Citizen Kane, I'm going to do this. Well, we're taking that away. I did Citizen Kane. But I think it's... We think of it now mm-hmm. in the terms of, but he did Citizen Kane. But at the time, they're like, yeah, he did one. Right. What else have you done? <laughs> I mean, you have to, like, if he had, like, five
1: blockbusters under his things, it's like, dude, this guy's just gold. But. Well, it's kind of funny, too. I mean, because they, they talk about uh, in the documentary, The Love Me When I'm Dead. Right. Um, Which is a perfect title. <laughs> yes, it is a perfect title. How they're, like, testing Madison Abersons, and they're, like, It's kind of a downer. (laughs) You hired Orson Welles. What else do you expect? You know, I mean, it's just amazing to me what, you know, this is what he does. Right. You know. But for the most part, if you watch Magnificent Amberson, it's still a really good
0: movie. Oh, yeah. It's not great. But that but also then it leaves you. It's sort of like that whole Snyder cut of Justice League. Release the Snyder cut. That's the perfect (laughs) version. Is Magnificent Anderson or Magnificent Amberson's Orson Welles cut the best one? Right. We don't know. You can only allude to it because it's not his, and you know it was already shot. So it's that idea. It's like I bet it was great, because it's already good, right? You know, and it's just that mystery of, and the footage is gone, so they say. You know, I guess I don't know. Maybe they'll wait, and Netflix will be like, "Wait, we found the footage." Right here's Orson Welles cut of,
1: giving <laughs> her hip pocket for sure. Yeah. Release the Orson cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, and it's something now we're seeing in a lot of you know. I mean, we're getting all these reboots and everything. I mean, we're getting another version of Apocalypse Now mm. um, again. It's like, well, you know, we've gotten how many versions of you know Blade Runner. Right. You know, um, I mean, they're different, I guess, because, you know, those guys are still alive. Right. Um, it's not like 20 years from now, we're going to go back to, you know, Apocalypse Now. And it's like, oh, here are the notes that Copa left for us. You know, we found them in a, in a, in a wine barrel. Right. <laughs> you know, and this, was, this was his true vision for Apocalypse Now. I mean, Only do it when I'm dead, you know. Yeah, he's doing it now. And I'm kind of, like, ambivalent towards it because it's like, well, you made the best movie right. that you could at the time. And, I mean, it kind of goes back. I, mean, I want to say it goes back to kind of like the George Powell in, in War of the Worlds, right? Mm-hmm. With all these, like, modern transfers and you're scanning mm-hmm. all the original negative. Right. You're now seeing, like, the strings for the flying saucer. Right. And you're like, well, that's how it was captured. George Powell probably wouldn't want those strings there. So you right. go and you like digitally take them out. You know, so it's like, uh, I don't know. The movie, to me, in my mind, it's just like Star Wars. My favorite version is the original version. Right. Right. I can, you know, and if you watch like the LaserDisc, you can mm. still see like the matte lines right. around like the X-Wings. And that's how I like my Star Wars. Right. You know, and I kind of watch like some, you know, the, the new ones with the upgraded effects right. and stuff. And it's like, oh, why? Yeah, why the, did you do that?
0: The only thing I like about the new versions of the original Star Wars is the scenes that he didn't alter because they look so clean. Yes. The quality is ridiculous. Yes. It's, but then all of a sudden you see some random creature walking by and you're like, why? Why'd
1: you do it?" It just sticks out. No, exactly. Yeah. And that goes back to like George Powell. It's like, I get it. You want to clean up some stuff. I'm 100% for that. And I would have been okay even if it's like,
0: we're going to go back, keep the integrity. We'll get rid of the map boxes, which are charming, but that I get. You're not changing... You're not adding anything to it. You're right. just because of the the 4K. And and that's the thing. I get it. Say is going in there. Hey, we want to do a 4K version of Apocalypse Now. Great. I'll supervise it. And I get it. You go through all the footage and maybe there's something that's like, I always love that line. Right. I could see, long as you're not tweaking to the point where I added 40 more minutes. Like, I don't need 40 more minutes. You Like you said, the film is great. But it'd be great if it's just like, I forgot about that line of dialogue. Right. And and i like it because it does punctuate this one thing most people won't notice it fine just add it it's right. okay but as long as i mean it's not like he's adding anything digital and it's like i added more troops i did more helicopters like why right.
1: you know right and that's i mean i think that's what's great about this project um the other side of the wind is that you're just finishing it yeah and you're finishing it you know in the best way you can trying to make it look as good as you can cuz that's what he would have wanted too right. Um but not going, Hey, you know what we need? and he's more party, you know, party goers in the background. Right. Right? I mean, I don't think, you know, it seemed like there were enough people there. Right. You know, you don't have to like add you know, we don't have to add that. And I think that's the difference from, you know, something like this and then, oh, we're gonna go back and do Star Wars again, but we're gonna give you some extra bullshit scenes that don't mean anything, and then right. here's a bunch of creatures. Right. You know, I mean, I guess I like some of that stuff is like, oh, hey, look what they cut out. Isn't that kind of cool? You know, it's like a deleted scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if it works, right, like Aliens or mm-hmm. even The Abyss, like those right. scenes really help, you know, then I think it, it really works. But um, if you're just adding it for the sake of to add it, because it's there, even if it doesn't either – it isn't either, you know, fish nor fowl. It either works or it doesn't. And if you – Or just jamming as much stuff as you can, like the Apocalypse Now redux, then you get a movie that's like three hours long and it's like, oh, this isn't as good as the
0: original. Right. And I get it too. It's sometimes you, it is about runtime at the time. It's like, I get it if it's like, you know, you have a movie and it's like, God, it's an hour 45. That's what the studio wants. I had to cut two scenes that I I liked, but they weren't necessary. Now you're releasing it on Blu-ray or 4K. It's like, let's put those in. I want to see those in again. But yeah. like you said, I don't need another 30 minutes of anything. Right. You know, that's just, don't be just because you fought with the studio and now you're saying F you because time has passed. Right. It's like, haha, now it's in there. Yeah. But it's like, well, what version? It's like, mm-hmm. I have, it's like I have eight versions of evil dead, evil <laughs> dead two, at least they're all the same. Yes. There's nothing different. It's just a different transfer on almost every version of Evil Dead Two. Right. You know, Sam's never gone back in there. I put more monsters. The monsters are CG now. Why? What are you doing? Yes. Just each one has some new rando transfer to it. It's like now it's a uh, it's HD. Oh, now here's the 4K. <laughs> and then they every transfer just kind of makes the movie look worse. They're yes. Like uh,
1: you got to stop because this movie was shot on 16, so maybe yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, some of that stuff is just you know, it's just a cash grab. Although I do really like my blood red Evil Dead 2 laser disc. Well, Bruce who, Campbell signed. No, there you go. The final thoughts, like, I
0: still, I think, I don't know if it's Orson Welles' masterpiece, but I don't know the last time I've watched a movie four times. I've seen it four times. Wow. I, I watched it right away when I got home because I was, I was on a big TV, and I think, I was like, did I miss anything? Mm-hmm. So I had it playing. Then I watched the documentary, and I was like, well, now I have to watch it again. So I put it on again, and then the fourth time, I think I was working, and I love I love the dialogue scenes. Mm-hmm. The dialogue scenes are just so precise, and maybe that's what it is. It's just this precise dialogue. So I just had it on in the background. So watching the fourth time was more of a – it was on while I was doing work emails. Mm-hmm. And I think because it's not a movie you visually have to look at – I mean, you should watch it mm-hmm. – but I think the dialogue is really tight, yes. and everything – Every, every word has a place in there. There's no fluff in words. Everything is said for a reason in that movie. And you don't get that a lot of times. Sometimes it would have just been junk dialogue. You're like, well, why is that in there? Right. Well, it's just a funny scene. Well, I don't need a funny scene. I need... So it was just kind of this precise dialogue. I'm happy that this movie exists because it made me excited about old films and just films in general. It miss, made me miss the idea of liking just a movie. Right. You know, it's just like, wow, this is movies or this is a film, you know? Oh, yeah. And then, I don't know, I think it's just... I think everyone should just... If you're into film, you should just see it. Just see what... See how ahead of the time he was in 1974 to what you see now is crazy. This guy was always kind of ahead of the curve, even though he just couldn't maximize his Orson and wellness. Right.
1: Um, for me, I think... Um, I mean, besides... You know just the luck of oh we have all the pieces we can make the movie you know we can finish it you know hopefully younger generations will watch this we'll go you know holy shit there's this whole other you know level of filmmaking that's not marvel films right it's something completely different that we've never seen before and you know we'll start all of a sudden start coming up and they're you know recommended right you know hey why don't you watch five easy pieces right or you know Deer Hunter or whatever, you know, all these amazing movies, um, you know, from the '60s and '70s mm-hmm. um, when Hollywood was changing, you know, that otherwise might not get revisited. Right. I mean, yeah, there's always going to be the core, you know, cinephiles and stuff, but there, are, you know, a lot of people out there that have never seen these films. Yeah. And I mean, there's just this incredible library of you know amazing product out there now. The content. Yeah, content. Before it was content; it yeah. was a film. Yeah. And yeah. that you know. People will, you know, find all these movies and, you know, maybe, maybe there's a glimmer of hope that someday somebody is going to be able to make a movie like that again, you know, go against the grain and not just do a studio yeah. picture and, you know, be able to make something that's, that's truly amazing. I don't know. I have, I have my doubts, <laughs> but you know, I hope that uh, the movies are out there. All you have to do is watch them and yeah. study them and, you know, something amazing can be made. And if so, I hope. We get to see one of those.
0: And at the end, it's like, I would like to, you know, In the thanks. The director thinks Orson Welles is the first name. Yeah, And there not you go. like ironically, but like Orson Welles. Right. You know. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this Orson Welles uh, trip. Please go see Other Side of the Wind. If you're interested in film, watch the documentary, then rewatch the film.
1: Yes, like, I agree. That's the, that
0: is the, the, the order in which you should see it. <laughs> because don't watch the documentary first. It won't ruin the film, but it might make you... It, I think it's a great companion sequel. You know, I think you should see the film, watch the documentary, and then it'll open the film up to the point where you'll want to watch it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you need to be able to interpret it for yourself Mm. and then go, oh, this is why this was like that and that sort of thing. And go watch old weird movies from the 60s and 70s.
0: They're all fascinating filmmaking
1: experiments. Yes. Yeah. Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon, Deer Hunter. I mean, these are all just amazing films and, um, you know, should be watched. Yeah. All right,
0: well, thank you for joining us uh, on Post-Apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is Jason. Take it easy.